How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard throws it in front. Carter, score! some swagger. Push come to shove, we're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hey everybody, welcome to the Thanks Bud Podcast. I am Chanel Berlin. And I'm Diane Fan. And we've all just had Thanksgiving holiday. Diane, how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was pretty darn swell, I must say. I ate a lot of food and drank a lot of drinks. That's good. I didn't have huge Thanksgiving plans because my family sort of decided to combine Thanksgiving and Christmas next month. But the the little bit of Thanksgiving things that I did have, quite enjoyed. I also just enjoyed having the time to relax, um, watch a little bit of hockey. I didn't actually watch a whole lot and uh, chill out for a while. So the Kings played three games this week, and it was kind of a kind of a spread in in terms of results. They had a shootout loss to the Nashville Predators, and then a four nothing shutout win against the Minnesota Wild, which I was kind of unexpected for me. They lost to the Chicago Blackhawks Saturday night, four uh, one. So that was pretty bad. Although I think overall the game itself was not as bad as maybe the numbers, as that result looked anyway. Um, but they did play a pretty bad first period. I think, I don't know, what do, what do you sort of make of this week of games? Um, it was kind of, I thought it was fine in general. Like obviously yesterday's uh, outcome was not the best and uh, them scoring only one goal. But I think you said that they... I didn't watch too much of it, but you said that they were only really terrible the first period um, and kind of got it together the rest of the time. And obviously, uh, the Wild game was fantastic, especially with Martin Jones being on the second night of a back-to-back. Um, yeah. And then posting a shutout. And they played... I mean, obviously, they played well um, in Nashville. It, they just happened to lose in a, sh- a shootout. So I can't... I can't say too many terrible things about them this week. Yeah, I think with the shootout loss, I think I tweeted it out after that game. And then I feel like this game against Chicago sort of reiterated this point. My only real concern for the Kings so far is how they are performing in first periods, which, again, we've talked about it before. We're sort of used to them wanting to sort of weather the first 10 minutes or so. But I feel like there's been a little bit of a mix. It's not even always just them trying to weather the first 10 minutes. It's like sometimes they'll have an okay start and then lose it halfway through the period. And then other times it's like they do try to weather it and it's not working and they get goals against and then they go down. In the Nashville game, they actually only had one goal against and were able to tie it on like a fluky goal. And then in the Chicago game, that went, they went down to nothing after the first period and it ended up costing them the whole game. But I think that's the only thing, looking at what how they've played this week, where I'm like, that's kind of a thing maybe you need to just watch out, is try to be consistent all the way through. They did a pretty good job of that in the Wild game. They, they had an excellent first period because they scored four goals, even though the Wild, to start the game, kind of had a little bit more possession and looked fine as a team. The Kings obviously were able to actually capitalize on their chances. So, yeah, overall, I don't have... I don't feel too bad about how they played this week. They seem to be okay for the most part. Yeah, it seems like all of the complaining that we do about um, them having crappy first periods, they just used up all their good first period mojo in that wild game and then went back to being terrible the rest of the time because they always, I mean, maybe it's just because it's so dramatic and it feels this way, but it seems like the Kings love to like mount a comeback 
you know, they always like to go down a few goals or a goal or just play crappy and then come back and, you know, win it. Although they've been doing that a little bit. Um, it hasn't gotten much success as it has uh, last season. So that's kind of like their their usual routine isn't working for them so much this time around. Right, yeah. I think they kind of just need to figure out how to sustain things in the first period. It made me think of actually last season. Remember that there was that like stretch of games where I think it was like 17 games or something where they did not allow a goal in the first period. And at first, everybody was kind of like, oh, what a funny streak to be on. And now I just am like, I miss that period so much. Please <laughs> go back to not allowing goals in the first Oh, yeah, I know. It seems like now they're just always getting scored on um, first in the first period uh, without getting anything back. So I I miss those times. Those were, those <laughs> were the good old days. <laughs> oh, when we took things for granted. <laughs> um, so right now, though, their record, they're still in an okay spot. They are 12-7-5, fourth in the Pacific. If the playoffs were today, they would be in the first wild card spot. Heading into the game, they actually had the same number of points as the Blackhawks. And, of course, because the Blackhawks won, they are bumped up to 31 points. The Kings are still at 29. Tyler Toffoli is still a points leader with 19 points because he did score a goal. Jeff Carter, though, is now right behind him with 18 points. And he's got seven goals, 11 assists. And they both collected 11 points during the month of November. And even though, like, I think Toffoli and Carter, they had games, you know, they've obviously had games where they haven't gotten points, but for the most part, they seem to be producing pretty consistently, especially Jeff Carter, who just this week finished second on the team with, like, a plus 21 Corsi, and which is pretty good. Like, if you look at all the teams, it's not the highest um, Corsi differential that any one player has had. But if you also consider the fact that he has his PDO is at 89.95, which is super low... Jeff Carter being able to drive play that much despite having crazy bad luck on, like when he's on the ice right now is pretty impressive. And once again, we keep calling for everything to fall in the King's favor. Like, of course, he's driving play really well, but his luck is terrible. But when his luck is good, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, but but it's good to see him continue to perform well and be a strong player for this team. Even though he's gotten moved around a little bit, he played wing this week rather than playing at center so much, um, which was, I don't, I don't know if it was necessarily refre- refreshing, but it was sort of a callback to things we've seen from Jeff Carter before. I, of course, still prefer to see him at center, but we've seen a little more variety <laughs> this week. It's kind of nice to see him produce so consistently, just because I know that when he was on that 70s line and centering the two, uh, to Foley and Pearson, um, obviously they were getting all of the kind of accolades with, you know, them being kind of the newbies, especially Tanner Pearson being the rookie and getting rookie of the month. But not that he's like under the radar by any means, but it's nice to see him just like a consistent, solid scoring force. Um, and sometimes I kind of forget that when, you know, other people go on hot streaks or things like that, um, that Jeff Carter is just always good. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I, it is weird because it, it does feel strange to say that he's maybe under the radar. But at the same time, people do like the narrative of like Toffoli and Pearson performing well to start um, their first full season with the Kings. And of course, everybody likes to talk about Kopitar. But yeah, Jeff Carter is also right there doing a whole lot really well. And it's not that people take him for granted. It's just like there are other people to to sort of focus on first. But he's a good story to look at. Like, he's a solid player and he makes me happy. Every time I look at his numbers or anything, I'm like, yeah, good job. Keep that up, guys. (laughs) (laughs) 
You do you. And then, you know, you go to games and he's in warm-ups with his helmet off and, like, showing Jared Stoll his toothless gap constantly. And he looks happy, too, as well. So, you know, enjoying life, Jeff Carter. I, I love it when he's in uh, warm-ups without his helmet on because he just always has, like, some vague Disney princess hair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or Disney prince hair. Not princess hair. I'm sorry, Jeff Carter. Disney prince hair. Um, it's just got, like, a perfect sort of flowy bouffant, sort of. <laughs> yeah. It just always looks very nice. You've got good hair, Jeff Carter, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and we do, like, good hair is important to us uh, because we always, like, call it out when someone's hair is questionable. So he clearly knows that he looks okay. I feel like that's one person probably we don't have to tell him that he <laughs> presents himself well. He seems to be aware of it. But anyway, so he had a good week uh, and a good month. Um, oh, before I actually get too deep into this, they did play Nashville. And when we were talking about the Predators in last week's podcast, we incorrectly called Philip Forsberg a, Forsberg a defenseman. And we know he is not a defenseman, even though um, he's new. We do at least know that much about him. That would have been really impressive if he was putting up the points that he was as a defenseman. Side note. Yeah. But yeah, so he is not a defenseman. And also, I think, I'm pretty sure the Kings managed to keep him off the board in that game, did they? Yep, nothing. Oh, that's great. So I'm really happy for that. Like, he's been performing really well, so of course he's the guy to watch for a lot of people. But luckily, the Kings were not burned by him. They did, in the shootout, um, sort of get burned by James Neal. And also, like, the I didn't actually watch the shootout for that game, but... Like, I watched part of the game, but then I didn't see the very end. And so I missed the shootout and people sort of complaining about Dwight King being chosen in one of the later rounds. And then I thought it was pretty funny that uh, he's the one who won it for during Martin Jones's like first uh, game or whatever. Oh, oh, yeah. So he's well, that that also means he's just coming through um, for Martin Jones pretty consistently. Yeah. (laughs) Except for this time, he's let him down. Um, but actually, when <laughs> Philip Forsberg went up to take that uh, shootout shot, I was crossing my fingers that above anyone else, I wanted Jones to stop Forsberg because I did not want Forsberg to be like, in case the Kings didn't, you know, get a goal yeah. afterwards. I did not want him to be the one to get it for the Preds. I'm, I'm real, I'm real bitter like that. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily, they did let it happen. They did um, get bitten by James Neal, but I'm a little more okay with that because he's more established and not some like sensation story that people are talking about right now. I can't believe that he was sixth up, though. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Like, why do you play James Neal in the sixth round of the shootout? Like, I would assume that he would go a little bit higher. You must feel really confident when you're like James Neal on par with Dwight King. Apparently. <laughs> you think you have all kinds of shooting talent on your team. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And that is the, and that's, it doesn't hurt to know that that is the only shootout goal that Martin Jones has ever let in. Martin Jones, okay, having a pretty amazing start to his career. Like, he went, of course, with the eight wins to start and had, what was it, two or three shutouts in that time. Um, He had a shutout at the end of last season, bringing him to four. And so he's played 20 or had at the time played 25, was it? Regular season games. Something like that. And the, and the win against the Wild was his fifth career shutout. Of his 25 games, <laughs> five of them are shutouts. And also I love watching him on the shootout because I get very tense during the shootout, but he looks like he could not care less. Uh, not that <laughs> yeah. He just seems so calm. He's like, oh, a person's skating towards me. Let me just put out my arm real quick. <laughs> 
done. Um, and it's all good, but, you know, when you watch other goalies prepare, they're kind of, like, wiggling around, getting in position, and I feel like Martin Schultz just kind of, like, looks around for a little bit and is like, yeah, I guess I'll do this. I it, I think we've commented on it a little bit before, but, yeah, he always just looks, like, so calm. It's sort of, I don't know, it's like... It, there are some skaters, like when they skate, it sort of seems like things slow down. Like I think Andre Kopitar is actually a pretty good example of that. He is not the fastest guy, but he skates still somehow so well that it seems like other people slow down around him. And he just manages to like control a shift sometimes when he wants to. And I feel like Jones is sort of the goalie version of that where he's, it could be the most intense stop, but it just looks so calm. Oh, I'm just going to grab it. That was a really good scoring chance, but uh, it didn't take that much effort, really. And, like, sometimes I'm annoyed because, like, I'm stressed out. Like, I am very <laughs> yeah. anxious about this scoring chance or whoever's got to break away or what have you. I feel like Martin Jones should also be not not stressed, but just, like, a little bit more show me some more emotion because I am, like, feeling so many feelings as things are happening and he just looks, like, cool as a cucumber. It's, wa- it's funny watching him and Jonathan Quick um, as contrast each other because, of course, Jonathan Quick is a very aggressive goaltender, so he makes so many things look so dramatic. And there, there are people who get frustrated with him, understandably, because of the fact that his aggressive style makes everything look so dramatic. And then Martin Jones is the exact opposite of that. Sometimes I, I just wish, like, you could all just take his pulse. Like, is his heart beating? Like, he seems so calm in that. It's amazing. I like how we're finding things to complain about when our uh, backup goaltender's goaltender is just really good we're like oh wait (laughs) this is annoying to us so chill and oh on the predators feed i told diane and kai who writes for us now i told them on the preds feed because this is my new thing like I, i love listening to bob and jim but i also like lately listening to other broadcasters just to see how they talk about the kings a little bit more and they in the first like 10 minutes of the Predators broadcast like during or like right before the game started and a little bit into the game they kept calling Martin Jones like this man of mystery <laughs> which I thought was amazing especially <laughs> watching him play that calmly and that just so chill like for some reason Martin Jones enigma I can't I can't believe that they're calling him man of mystery like he's some sort of weird spy and like that's why he's so calm he's like nah I've defused a nuclear bomb so like stopping this puck, not a big deal. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm, like I've jumped off a building, um, so you know, putting my leg out here, it's all right. I thought that was awesome though. So now that's how I've been thinking of him all week is Martin Jones, man of mystery. Uh, but the Kings did not escape this week, I guess, um, unscathed. Even though I went to the practice right after Thanksgiving because whatever, I had a day off lazy morning. Why not? Uh, Marion Gabrick looked fine in practice, but at some point, I guess, sustained an upper body injury. So now he is day to day with that. They didn't announce that he had an injury until right before the Chicago game. And at first people thought it was an illness, but it's not. It is an upper body injury. It seemed minor, but because Daryl Sutter was sort of in a bad mood (laughs) after that (laughs) game, he was, of course, very surly about it Um, when they asked if there was sort of a timetable on the injury or what was up with that. He just said, who knows? And I loved Lisa Dillman's tweet about it because she phrased it as Daryl Sutter, slightly salty. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's just how he lives his press conference life. Yeah. Regardless, win or lose, whatever he's going to say, it's just going to be described as, you could, like, whatever he says, you could say, like, Daryl Sutter said, slightly salty, insert quote here. Yeah. (laughs) 
An interesting thing with the Kings, though, because, again, I feel like that Chicago game sort of made things look, in a way, worse than they really were this week and possibly are for the Kings, period. I think there are actually a number of pretty positive things right now, and even the big thing that people are concerned about, the possession thing, they're coming out even. And I know that we've, you and I have talked about it. I don't know how much we've said it on the podcast, but it is pretty funny because they're like just over 50%. And so for a team like the Panthers who have, or who were when the Kings played them around that, um, it's like, oh, the Panthers are playing pretty well this season. They ha- are not like below in possession. They're just at, just over 50%. Like for the Kings, it's like, it's a disaster. Blow it all up. They're only at 50%. <laughs> How are they ever going to survive? Uh, but they're, but yeah, they're fine. And then I think there are a lot of other things aside from that that are pretty good. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny, like the varying uh, levels of like where to freak out when it comes to different teams. Like I love that the Panthers are like, "Hey, we're doing pretty all right. We're doing well." <laughs> yeah. And like the Kings have just like dive bombed off a cliff with this, and so people are panicking and hoping to get it back, and the Panthers are like, we like it up here. This is pretty cool. And so, like, obviously I would love to see the Kings get back to sort of the elite possession team that we know them to be, but I don't, I think even if it turns out that for this season they are an average or just slightly above average possession team, that they still have an opportunity to, A, of course, make it back to the playoffs, but um, also to still recover from that because it's not like they're just in the basement and things are terrible and they don't know what they're going to do. They've been solid despite the sort of rotating cast of defensemen that they have had in the lineup. I I was reading actually a story about the Calgary Flames, just sort of keeping tabs on them. And it was from the Globe and Mail. And um, in this article, they were talking about sort of the things that have made them succeed so far. And one of them was the fact that the defensemen have been contributing so much to the offense. Like Mark Giordano um, was really good for the last couple seasons, I think, but had an injury at some point in there. So people couldn't put too much stock in his numbers because the season had gotten cut short. But he's playing really well again. Um, But not just him. This was from the 25th. So of course, these numbers are not the same. And I haven't checked to update them. But in this article, it said at the time, the Flames defensemen lead the league by far in goals. 18, six more than the next highest teams, Boston and San Jose. And of course, Boston is a team that we know to be um, pretty defense heavy. They're a lot like the Kings in that way. San Jose is going through some struggles of their own. And prior to this week or a couple weeks ago, people were really talking about how the Kings, you know, it was just that 70s line who were getting points and whatnot. And the defensemen need to chip in. Like Jake Buzzin went on a little point streak for a while and picked up several points. It was pretty good. But also I think this week is a perfect example. Like even though the Kings only scored the one goal against Chicago, they scored three in the game against Nashville and four against the Wild. 13 Kings players earned at least one point this week, which is pretty good. Among those players, only two defensemen didn't register a point. That was Robin Regeer and Matt Green. Neither one of them got any points. But all the other defensemen who played got points because, again, Martinez has been out. Um, and the only forwards who didn't get points were Tanner Pearson, who um, I think it was Rich Hammond tweeted out, hadn't even in his in like the last three games, hadn't even gotten a shot on goal. And then he finally got one in the third period of the Chicago game. So that's kind of weird. He's had shot attempts, but they have not made it to the net for whatever reason. Um, Andre Kobitar didn't get any points this week. Kyle Clifford, Trevor Lewis, no points for them this week either. But Jamie McBain, 
of course, was the one that scored that really like weird fluky goal against Nashville, and then he picked up an assist in the Minnesota game. So McBain's he's having his a good week. In a king. <laughs> yeah, he's been all right. Well, I don't want to give him too much credit because whenever Robin Regeer and Jamie McBain are on the ice together, it's a disaster. It is terrible, and it makes me so uncomfortable to watch. But don't you have so much confidence in the Kings when they're on the ice together? Like, don't you feel like nothing could go, nothing could possibly go wrong? I feel like Martin Jones and Nett, actually, just so calm and (laughs) (laughs) They're a bad pairing, but still, Jamie McVeigh has managed to pick up some points this week. So I think that is one of the things that is really positive. And even Pearson and Kopitar, who didn't pick up points, both finished this week. Pearson was plus eight in Corsi Differential, and Kopitar was plus six. Their numbers suffer at even strength because those are overall situations. But I think even there, there are some positive things to find in that. Yeah, so it's like, oh, they had a pretty bad-looking loss against Chicago, and they technically lost against the Predators, and they had to come back to tie it against the Predators. But overall, Kings, some positive takeaways. That's just numbers for this week. And once again, it's still just like with the whole rotating defenseman thing like i like you always have to be solid in your back end and like so the goalies have been fantastic but like the defensemen it's just been like a constant question mark as to who's playing who's playing together like what's working out what's not and so the fact that that's still been like cycled over and over again in terms of like pairings and things like that and they're still doing you know as well as they are is still very good to me and especially with you know uh, forwards also going down and, and things like that. So with injuries and everything that's going on, it's really not too bad at all. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think the fact that they are coming out even in something like possession is pretty positive, considering that there has not been very much consistency on the back end. The fact that the goaltenders are performing well and the forwards are contributing a lot really helps. And I think means that whenever they, or hopefully means that whenever they get completely healthy or as healthy as possible and have a more consistent lineup that we'll see some market improvement, which to be fair has kind of happened a little bit with the possession numbers as someone like Jamie McBain has gotten more comfortable, as Braden McNabb has gotten more comfortable. You started to see those numbers creep up a little bit. I think like we talked about at the start of the podcast, they need to clean up sort of those first periods and that would maybe help them take another big leap. But I don't think, I think there's still like promising nuggets here and there, things to sort of cling to. A defenseman who has been amazing this past week, but just in general, and who people are constantly sort of recognizing more and more. Jake Muzzin was the king who had the best possession differential this week. He was a plus 26. I don't know, the dude had a great November. Like now that he, like he came back from injury and it took him a couple games to get to his best form. But since then, he's been really good, whether he's with Drew Doughty, whether he's away from Drew Doughty. He's really solid. And it makes me excited to watch him. He still has mistakes. Like the first goal against in the game against the Blackhawks, it was it was it was on him in a lot of ways. He should have, you know, had better coverage. And then there ended up getting a shot on goal that then Daniel Carcillo batted in the rebound for. But Overall, I think Jake Muzzin, the coolest thing about him is he learns from those mistakes and he, and he's also, I think, really upfront about it. Like whenever people interview him, he will straight up tell you, like, I made a mistake there. It was bad by me. I got to fix that. Yeah, Jake Muzzin has been fantastic. Like not only has he been, like we said already with the rotating defenseman, he's been keeping it together for the Kings along with Dowdy, but he's been scoring points um, on top of that. Like you can't really ask for anything. And he's been driving play as well. Like you can't really ask for anything more. And Muzzin, 
um, has been fantastic. Like, I don't even really, not that I don't notice, but you can't really lay too much blame or, like, you can't rag on him too much for the mistakes that he makes because, for the most part, he's doing, like, vastly more positive things um, that outweigh, like, a single mistake. So Jake Muzzin has been supremely fantastic. Right, yeah, I feel like you can't really rag on him any more than you can on, like, Drew Doughty when, like, he has his ridiculous mistakes. And, of course, I constantly always, like, make cracks, at least to Diane, about Drew Doughty's wind-up <laughs> and how sometimes it backfires on him. But... Oh, when we're at a when we're at a game together, we're like, wait, wait, look, look, and just <laughs> like I kind of want to count how long he like winds up for. Um, it's slightly comical next time, you know. Take a look, see how many shots he takes, and see how far up and how long he winds up for. Sometimes I'm like, could you just not do the little hesitation thing? Just just move the puck, just move it, please. He's obviously a very good defenseman, but sometimes, come on, dude, you're killing me. Just a little bit. There was a Tyler Toffoli goal fairly recently where he did that same thing, and I was laughing as he was doing it, and then he <laughs> shot it and then, you know, scored a goal, and I was like, okay, well, in that case, it worked, but it was still hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I think there are definitely moments where some of that, like, hesitation or whatever totally called for and and when it works especially when it go leads to a goal whether it's Dowdy or anybody else it does look very nice when you take a whole lot of time to set up your slap shot but then sometimes you're on the power play and another person can poke it out of the zone and it's like really come on come on <laughs> so yeah but I feel like you know you can criticize for those little things but there are plenty of other things that he does really well obviously and then I think at this point it's the same for Jake Muzzin like he'll have bad mistakes but then he does a whole handful of other things that were really good um, and that might go unnoticed because they're small but important. And it's been, I've, I'm really glad at the way he's played this month and this week, and I hope it continues. And I'm really glad that they have already signed him to a contract because imagine if he just only gets better <laughs> and then it's like, oh, he could have asked for more money. Well, he's already paid for <laughs> right now. I love that you say it like he's already paid for, like it's a flight that you're taking like later in the year <laughs> when you might not have enough money. You're like, oh, it's fine. That's already paid for. <laughs> right. Jake Musson already paid for. Don't have to worry about it, which is good because there's still plenty of other contracts to worry about. Um, and I personally cry over the potential I don't even want to say it, but um, just Justin Williams. I'm very worried. <laughs> and and okay. I will be worried for the next several months. You said Justin Williams, and I thought that you were going to be like, I'm very worried that they're going to re-sign Regeer. <laughs> oh. oh, God. That, too. Because there's that as well. <laughs> yeah, they have to make some decisions with the defense, and I really hope it doesn't result in re-signing Regeer, because that is just... It's not good. I actually was having um, a conversation, like, so I, when I was at the game last night, I ended up having this conversation about the fact that someone like Robin Regeer, you can see on the ice how he, it's not even always that he has the wrong, like, intention. He's just not fast enough. And I don't know, like, I didn't watch Calgary Fames very closely when he was on that team, so I don't know if that's just something he has gotten worse at over time or whatever. But he's kind of, he's the kind of person where, I decided, like, Robin Gear could have good ideas, and I just wish somebody else could execute them. Like, if he could just be in somebody's ear, like, here's something you should do, and then somebody else execute, executes it correctly. That's what I hope for with Robin Gear. Maybe he should just be a coach. Just be a coach. Or he could just, like, sit in the front row, like, the ice 
level seats and just start yelling (laughs) across like, hey, do this. And then someone does it. And like that kind of works. Like you don't have to make him a coach. He can just be a constant, helpful uh, spectator. Just yelling, you should do like think of code words first, but like yell that over the glass. That'd be really amusing to me personally. Yeah, you should. Or you like kind of I'm imagining it like 90s like TV show style where you're cheating on a test and you have, or, you know, like somebody in your ear, basically. That's if Robin Regeer could just do that. <laughs> if he could just be the voice in your earpiece <laughs> as you, you know, play the game rather than trying to talk somebody through like how to ask someone on a date or keep up a lie. It's Robin Regeer telling you how to defend in your own zone. Uh, that would be kind of hilarious if you could have like comms in your head. Like I've been watching a lot of, uh, I've been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., actually, and they, they use a lot of, like, inner ear comms to talk to, to each other, so it would be kind of funny to have hockey played that way. Because <laughs> yeah. I could totally imagine, like, if a team was doing really well, and so there was no way that they could actually lose the game, of someone just, you know, saying ridiculous things to other members of their team, just because, like, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, like if it were a blowout game, just, like, Drew Doughty saying something ridiculous or singing a song to each other. <laughs> That would be pretty great. Yes, yeah, yeah. Inner team, like a, a team-wide sort of intercom system, would yeah. be pretty fun. That's it, that makes me like now I'm just sort of sort of imagining it like fighter pilot style, except for it's just like a close up on their like visors. Um, yes, <laughs> that, would, that would be hilarious. Now I just kind of want to see that happen. <laughs> I don't know why it would ever, but now it should. Um, and then they should eventually put those kinds of things in a compilation, the way that they do the like sounds on the ice during playoff series they should just do that that's what i want to see at the next like nhl meeting that's what needs to come up (laughs) yeah forget like wearable tech that helps you track advanced stats better just get me team intercoms (laughs) that's what we should focus on (laughs) very like what is it star fox very like that oh my gosh (laughs) please See, because I was thinking, like, Star Wars, like, TIE Fighters or, like, X-Wing Fighters, just, like, when they have, like, the close-up shot of just them in their cockpit talking to each other and, like, hey, (laughs) go left or whatever, like, that's what they're doing. Or I guess it's just going to be, like, a a team-wide, like, Xbox game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that works. And then you could have people chirping Alec Martinez about his jazz hands right away. Instead of having to wait for it, <laughs> we could just immediately have people making fun of it. That would be nice. See, that would be so much fun. We've got our priorities in order. The things that are important to us. We don't care about the king's possession or anything. But if we could work on making them be able to chirp each other in-game. Uh, what was I talking Oh, I was talking about Regeer. The other thing, actually, is I was kind of thinking about the same thing with regard to Mike Richards, who I who was... A lot of people have talked about very smart, tries to make some really great plays, but I think sometimes like he'll make passes and it's like, I don't know, it's almost like sometimes you can see where that dude's head gets ahead of what his hands are doing. And then so it's like he probably had a thought, but, you know, we've seen him just like suddenly wander away. Like he just had two thoughts at once and and (laughs) decided to act on the one that didn't make sense or he'll like shoot a pass and then it like either completely misses the person he was going for or maybe there's nobody there. I don't know. Mike, but that's another dude. <laughs> Mike Richards ideas. loves a drop pass, oh, and yeah. only maybe 20% of the time does it actually work. And I feel like I might be generous, because he, t- he does a lot of them. He's <laughs> he like, oh, let me just do this so really fancy drop pass in the neutral <laughs> zone. 
no one is there. Or someone from the other team is right there and it is right on their stick. I'm like, wait, Mike Richards, what team do you play for? I don't get this. He just wants somebody to catch his drop pass so bad that he kind of doesn't even care what team they're on. And see, he's somebody who could benefit from team-wide intercoms. So he could be like, guys, this drop pass, though. And somebody could get there. Or like he's skating through the neutral zone and like Jeff Carter can totally tell what he wants to do. And he's like, Mike, no one's there. <laughs> yeah. Please, please don't just even think about it. Hang on to the fuck. No one is there. <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, like you'll see him have these moments where he's like, he's clearly got some fancy worked out in his head. And then it just doesn't quite come together. Usually when it involves a pass of some kind. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You fix that either. You either need to like find players who get on his level, which is why like him and Jeff Carter worked so well together on a line for a while, or I don't know, maybe adjust his thinking a little bit. I but it's pretty. I was thinking about that too. Obviously, I think his problem maybe is a little different from Robin Regeer's because I feel like Regeer is just like he's so slow and he'll never. He'll. I, you can't really fix that. <laughs> You're just gonna be that slow. But. Um, Mike Richards, maybe there's some an adjustment to be made. But overall, he's at least it's been working a little better so far this season. He's been much more entertaining to watch again and more consistent. I we said it last season as well, um or not not last season, last podcast as well, um, that he's been improving a lot and him and Trevor Lewis continue to work hard and make plays and be noticeably good on the ice whether or not yeah. like i know that um at least uh trevor lewis didn't get any points uh mike richards did this week but um uh, even though they're not scoring a ton of goals once again they still continue to do positive things mm-hmm. for the kings i will also say since we are briefly for the moment talking about trevor lewis and i'm just thinking about this i feel like I mean i'm not gonna go to enough kings practices to do this but when i the one i was at i was like Things people need to be aware of because Kings fandom likes to point out like which guys seem to have a lot of fun with each other. Trevor Lewis, Tyler Toffoli, best of friends. <laughs> they were so giggly during practice on Friday, um, including a point where they sort of pretended to play fight up against the boards and then kind of skated away from each other and then came back, which I thought was adorable. I just think everybody should know about that. Also, it has not been commented on enough how frequently and without interruption, Jeff Carter and Jared Stoll smile at one another. I know I mentioned it a little bit. They do it during warmups, but it happens all the time. <laughs> so important updates for everyone right there. Kings players being adorable and precious. This is your weekly update of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but it's true because uh, totally about the Jeff Carter, Jared Stoll thing, because I'll see a lot of like fan um, photographs of it. Um, and it's always just Jeff Smarter. Jeff Smarter, <laughs> Jeff Carter smiling <laughs> really, really largely like open mouth, open teeth, because um, he's not wearing his teeth ever, just like at Jared Stoll. <laughs> it's like a ray of sunshine. Yeah. It's fantastic. They just have, you know, quick like glamour photo shoot. It, that's what it seems like. They're always like in the middle of maybe like a, a chewing gum commercial <laughs> where, you know, everybody's very happy. It's sunshiny. Probably you can imagine the beach in the background. They probably do it when they're not on the ice as well. Okay. So <laughs> Just see, that's, that's so pleasant. Whereas when I look at pictures of Jeff Carter uh, making that face, I just always imagine him saying, hey, and then someone just like caught a picture during that moment. And so that's what I think of every time. His big toothless <laughs> grin just invokes that sort of like image and sound in my head. So it's very amusing. I suggest other people do it. Um, it's it, it's so good for a laugh. True. 
<laughs> now I wish there was actually enough footage of it so that somebody could put together their own like fake TV spots to set to some like totally cheesy music bed that would be used in like a gum commercial or like a Coke commercial <laughs> or something. Because that's what it feels like. They're just, you know, both naturally very glamorous. We're just going to smile at each other for a while. We know we're so handsome. Ha 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 ha. I guess no, I, I guess I know what sort of video I'm going to be looking for come like a, a night where I'm at like up at like two in the morning, bored and not able to sleep. That's what I'll look for. Yeah, yeah. I need I need B-roll footage of uh, Jeff Carter and Jared Stoll looking glamorous. So if it's out there, please um, direct us to it or, you know, make the video yourself. But that's something I wanted to point out because it struck me that it was something that was very consistent for both of them. Um, and then also, of course, like I said, Toffoli and Trevor Lewis get along real well. That's very cute because you know how fond we are of both of those people. Um, oh, another positive, since I want to focus on positive things about the Kings. So even though the possession numbers have been a worry, they are actually not in the basement when it comes to scoring goals. Usually, just like, they, they love being the best and also the worst. Um, just like how they're fantastic at home and garbage on the road this season. They're usually great at goals against and just terrible at goals for but now not really the case and then which i also think like not i mean it mitigates a little bit the possession thing because it's like they can be average at possession but i feel like the worry was they're not a team that scores goals so that could spell big trouble for them but so far they have been managing to score a little bit more like they did during the shortened season where they have stayed about average and like at the start of this week they were about at league average now they're a little bit above it they're at nine point zero three percent at even strength it is about average average for the league tends to fluctuate between eight and nine percent usually around like 850 ish right now i think it was a little higher it was like eight eight point eight anyway so at even strength they're about league average with and so you know all situations so that means you know a lot of help from like the man advantage and of course the shorthanded goals that they've had their shooting percentage is nine percent pretty good and their goals per game is 2.67 which is good for 13th but despite the fact that their possession has been pretty bad and they have had some losses like the one on, on Saturday or like one goal losses against or like the shootout loss against the Preds, like they only allowed 2.25 goals per game, which is fifth lowest. So, of course, they won the Jennings Trophy for allowing the very least amount of goals. But they're still not in a bad place overall right now. So I think that's pretty heartening. Yeah, the, so that is definitely a good direction for the Kings to be going. Yeah. It's good to see, and I hope it continues, because again, like they had reached a nice place during the shortened season with scoring at about an average rate, and then, of course, last season, that went away. So I hope it keeps up, especially while they're trying to figure out the defense situation and adding some stability there and figuring it out, you know, just making things more consistent in the lineup. Hopefully this keeps in the right direction. Speaking of defensemen, I don't know if we actually said, Alec Martinez is coming back soon. He actually practiced... In that Friday practice, he participated the whole time in a regular black jersey. At first, in the practice before, he was in a no-contact red jersey, but no longer true. So he should be back pretty soon. He looks pretty good. Um, He didn't play against Chicago, but maybe in their next game. So hopefully that will help add some stability there. Um, And even looking at the goals by period, because I talked about how they've had sloppy first periods, it is true that their worst period is the first period. But looking at the actual number of goals scored, 
it is not as bad as it could be. So in first periods, they have scored 22 goals so far this season and allowed 22. So it's coming out about, you know, they basically just cancel each other out so far. So that's something to look at because you don't want the goals against to become higher than the goals for. But right now, it's like as bad as their first periods can be and has cost them a few games. It hasn't actually been the absolute worst. But so then, pretty good. And, but then you think about like a game like the the Wild game, and it was four goals in the first period, and that just seems kind right. of fluky. It doesn't. It's not very consistent um, as to like the give and take of first period goals. So it just seems so much more horrible. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I think definitely it's something. It's not something to ignore. But I think when looked at overall, it's like even though this is a problem they need to fix, it so far is not like the root of their problem and it's not the thing that's going to burn them or at least hasn't so far. It's kind of like last season with the um, when they took so many penalties, but they were really good at drawing them. So basically it was like for every penalty they take, they give themselves an opportunity to get it right back. It's kind of like that. Like at least so far they've scored enough to make it so those first period goals against don't or have it ruin them completely. Like they still have overall a positive record, but it is something to keep an eye on. In second periods, they are outscoring opponents 25 to 19 so far, which is also good because I feel like last season they had really shaky second periods. <laughs> but they have actually been pretty decent during the second period. So oh, yes. I definitely remember us wailing during second periods, just being like, why are they so terrible? <laughs> yeah. um, so that was a consistent thing that was awful, but it's good to know that they're uh, shaping up their second period game. And then as always, yeah. good during the third period. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they have already... Um, given up a lead in the third, so they don't have that perfect pers- like leading after two win percentage, but it's still pretty high. It's like at nine, uh, like ninety percent now. Um, and anyway, they've outs- outscored opponents sixteen to eleven overall. So also just sort of an indicator, even though they haven't themselves scored very many third period goals. Pretty interesting that like of all of the periods where goals are scored, um, opponents get the fewest in the third period with the eleven. So. Positive, though. Still a good third period team. So if they can clean up the first, that's why I'm also like, you know, fix your first period mistakes because you're really good at closing out games generally. And so if you can if you can erase your early troubles, could be good times. Well, speaking of them drawing the same number of penalties that they took last year, someone who is drawing um, an impressive number of penalties, Dustin Brown, which may be surprising to, you know, the NHL in general. Although it should not be too surprising to Kings fans because over his career, Dustin Brown has been pretty good at drawing penalties. I think something that has, has gotten him called out is like people think he's a diver, basically. Uh, and, but he hasn't, and even like this season, supposedly refs are supposed to be harder on diving. He hasn't gotten called for anything like that, I don't think. He's only had two minor penalties. This is from LA Kings Insider. He's been assessed two minor penalties while drawing 11 impressive and so like last season when it was trevor lewis who had the impressive deferential right there so far dustin brown um was at the time and this was posted from a couple days ago he was tied with nazim kadri from the maple leafs with a plus 11 differential and um or i'm sorry kadri was the leader and he was just behind him tied with kyle oposo and tyler johnson um with the plus nine. And I liked him. The best part of it was when he was talked to about it, joked with whoever was sitting next to him in the stalls or whatever. And he was like, yeah, dental player. <laughs> Which I thought was good. <laughs> Gentle Dustin Brown. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, obviously he knows his reputation. Um, so it's good that he still is having fun with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And keep drawing those penalties. Like, great job. Um, and he also had the milestone against the, he was one of the people who scored in the wild game and it was officially his 200th career goal. Cool for him. And I forget like where on the, I, I remember seeing like some stat about how many people who've played for the Kings have reached 200 goals, and it's not very many, but I can't remember what the exact number is, but it was just sort of a reminder that, you know, A, it's pretty rare for players to play for just one team, especially at this point in the salary cap era, and it's pretty cool that somehow Dustin Brown has played for the Kings for, you know, since 2003 and has now scored 200 career goals. Pretty cool. Um, the people that have scored 200 goals for the Los Angeles Kings in their career, uh, Dustin Brown with 200. Kopitar with 207, uh, Simmer with 222, Gretzky with 246, Butch Goring with 275, Bernie Nichols with 327, Dave Taylor with 431, Marcel Dion with 550, and topping the list, Luke Robitaille with 557. So there are there are nine players in <laughs> Not many people. the history of the Kings. <laughs> What a exclusive club for Dustin Brown to be able to join. And it took him 10, 11 seasons. He's in his 11th season. Something that I was excited about. Stanley Cup moments are back. I feel like I have been waiting forever for them to start. And they finally did. I feel like I've been waiting forever, too. I, like, re-watched all of the old ones. I have not gotten a chance to watch the first one, actually. Oh, well, you should. It is very nice. And it, um... I mean, it's called adversity, but it doesn't actually focus on every single moment of adversity the Kings have faced. But it does at one point focus on the goaltending that they got, like when Jonathan Quick went down. And so it was pretty cool to see the team acknowledged, but then to even see like a newcomer like Martin Jones spotlighted for how important he was for the Kings, even just reaching the playoffs that season, which is pretty true. Like when you think about it without Ben Scrivens and Ben Scrivens also talked about, which I thought was cool because obviously he's not with the team anymore, but they acknowledge how important his play was for the Kings, which I thought was really great. It's nice to see people included. Someone who is not spotlighted and who I don't feel bad about at this point, Daniel Carcillo. <laughs> I was just about to say, speaking of players that used to play for the Kings but don't anymore, but who are <laughs> wonderful and still get talked about nicely, Brent Ben Skirvins as compared to Gorilla Salad. Yeah. Daniel Carcillo. <laughs> Nobody misses Daniel Carcillo. Although before the Blackhawks game, um, him, I did see him and Mike Richards chatting because they're still buds. But then, of course, Daniel Carcillo at the end of that game tried to fight Braden McNabb for no reason. Braden McNabb was not even on the team when Daniel Carcillo was on the team. They don't know each other. What was the point of that? There was none. Do you know how we know that Daniel Carcillo didn't really play in the finals? It's because when you and I went to the Kings Rangers, uh, like the second game during that series or whatever, he passed by us. Um, oh, after right. getting Starbucks, um, and he was in a suit. So, yeah. Forget you, Daniel Carcello. <laughs> what are you so bitter about <laughs> with the Kings? All Kings fandom ever did was love the way you say, it's a rainbow. And this is the <laughs> thanks we get. How dare you? <laughs> it's true, I had completely forgotten about that, and that is a magnificent moment in Kings Vision history. <laughs> Those are what I will remember about the two things I will remember about Daniel Carcillo as a king is it's a rainbow and, of course, him yelling on the bench alone after a random regular season win. Yo, <laughs> yeah, that his... is all just cheering by himself, so excited, man alone on the bench. 
Those are his contributions to this team. He scored a couple goals, but that's not what I'll remember. But apparently, a little bit of hard feelings. He seemed to take a lot of joy in beating the Kings last night, as if they ever did anything to him. However, I would just like to say the person from that game that I am the most mad at, and by mad, I mean I don't really care, but I, I cared a lot in the moment, was <laughs> Michael Roosevelt trying to fight Andre Kopitar. Never touch Andre Kopitar. I bet don't do Mike it. Richards... I bet Mike Richards felt bad and was upset that he was not on the ice at that moment because he probably would have pummeled Michael Roosevelt because he also doesn't like when people touch Andre Kopitar. And I understand. I feel like since Andre Kopitar's dog is such like a, I, I mean, obviously Dustin Brown is like, yeah, they treat that dog like it's a human. I feel like Mike Richards is just Kopitar's like guard dog. <laughs> True. Oh, anyone comes after him, Mike Richards is gonna fight you. No, I'm just imagining like also after any time that happens, Kobe being like, "Oh, thanks, buddy." Oh, boy, <laughs> give him some gummy bears, make him happy, and he probably likes it. He probably feels very happy and satisfied. Yeah, I'm sure it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, someone else. By the way, since we're talking about people who don't deserve to touch Andre Kopitar and Michael Roosevelt is on that list, another one. I we talked very kindly, very recently about Bobby Ryan. And him not being a king. And as far as, like, play as a player, obviously a very good goal scorer. And the Kings will always, any team, always would love to have more goal scorers. However, also said some messed up stuff earlier this week, unrelated to hockey, but related to, like, the Ferguson protests. And he apologized, but still too clueless to function, Bobby Ryan. And so, therefore, does not deserve a parking spot from the Kopitars anymore. I take it back. (laughs) I don't care he's not in Southern California. I am going to continue to forget that you play in the NHL for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. Forget you, Bobby Ryan. Also, Tom Sestito uh, for, oh, for similar yeah. type comments. But uh. him I've never liked. So right. Bobby Ryan, I feel sc- like he said some other questionable things in the past, but now I feel truly scorned. Like there's like when people say questionable things, it's not that I'll give them a pass, but it's like, you know what? That was really dumb. I'll, I'll I'll stick it out with you for another time, but it's got it's gotten to the point where Bobby Ryan in particular has said enough dumb things where it's like I'm I'm done I'm exhausted you've exhausted me you're clueless please stop let's never do this again I'm glad Bobby Ryan's in Ottawa have fun we no longer want him to play for the Kings as we had wanted in the past I feel like we are we're coming up to the hour mark here so of course it's the end of November Kings do Player of the Month here are the choices we should as we always do pick our winner. Kings Players of the Month options. Jeff Carter, Jonathan Quick, Jake Muzzin, Tyler Toffoli, and Drew Dowdy. Who do you choose? I gotta do it. I gotta choose Jake Muzzin. He's just been truly fantastic. We've said many good things about him earlier in the podcast, and it's a nice um, parting gift, I suppose, to be like, yeah, you have done really well, Jake Muzzin. You deserve the McDonald's Kings Player of the Month. (laughs) (laughs) win big aim high i also picked jake muzzin even though technically jeff carter and tyler toffoli both had more points in the month of november i think on a team that has been known as like an elite possession team and seemed to has seemed to struggle um having a defenseman like jake muzzin be so consistent is hugely important and so yeah that's why he's my choice as well also he did go on that nice little point streak it was awesome i guess is there anything else you want to say before we go anything about other teams what's up um i think i'm still i think i'm good yeah except for okay that's a lie i'm still concerned that the mumps continue to be spread throughout anaheim 
it's kind of fascinating. Although, from what I have read since this started happening, is that a lot of people just, like, they get vaccinated and then it's possible that the vaccination doesn't take. But there's no way to know that unless you think to, at some point in your life, get tested um, to see if the vaccination didn't work for you or you, unfortunately, get mumps. And so a lot of people don't think to take that test. And so then they don't know that the vaccination didn't work until they come down with the illness. And so a lot of people, it's like, it's not necessarily that they are anti-vaxxers, which is a funny idea, but it could just be like, they just don't know that they did get vaccinated and the shots didn't work, um, which I think is pretty interesting. And then at the very least has made me realize how common it is that maybe the shots don't work on people, which is kind of scary. Yeah, that's kind of kind of horrifying. And um, obviously it's not the same, but all of this has made me really want to watch Contagion. Oh, yeah. And I'm very annoyed that it's not on Netflix. That's it. That's all all I've got. (laughs) I really like that movie. Some people didn't. I did too. I I like it a lot. I do too. I know people who don't like it just because they're like, okay, well, now I'm freaked out. Um, And they're very germy, germaphobes. Uh, but yeah, I thought I thought it was a cool movie. But yeah, the the mumps thing in the NHL is weird. Um, so everybody, if you're not vaccinated, which hopefully you are, get vaccinated. Also, don't uh, hang out with too many NHL players, apparently, because they're disgusting right now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and we'll put you at risk. <laughs> so, that's the message to take away this that's week. That's one way of putting it. Oh, okay. So I always forget to do like the slew of like things in this outro. So I'm gonna try to remember them all. First of all. If you go to a Kings game at Staples Center, you should buy it through Ticket Monster, who we are partnered with and who are really great. So you can go to our schedule page on our website and um, click on links for individual games. It also has the scores for games. So it's like a cool way to just, you know, quickly look back at how the Kings have done so far this season. Also, follow us on Twitter. I don't say that enough. We are at ThanksBud or individually, I am at Schnell Berlin. And I'm at AKA Diane Fan. Also, another thing that I never remember to say and then think about in the middle of the week, um, we do have an email. So I don't know why anybody would want to ask us questions necessarily, but if you do want to ask us questions or send us a note or anything, you can email chirp at thanksbud.com and interact with us. Or you can ask us on Twitter because, of course, we look at the Twitter all the time. And um, I think I think finally I have gotten all of them in one outro. So that was very impressive. That was very impressive. Yes. <laughs> Good job, me. All right. I don't have anything else to say about other teams. I just want the Kings to keep winning things. So hopefully they beat... Yeah, me too. Yeah, beat Chicago the next time you play them. That's one thing I will say is it because, of course, it's no secret at this point that I don't like the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> and so after the game last night um, that I went to, I, of course, went on a like... Like, uh, I forget this character's name in, in 25th Hour with Edward Norton, where he goes on that, like, super racist rant about because he's, like, about to go to prison and he's upset. I didn't have a racist rant or anything, but I did go <laughs> on a, like, very particular, like, here are all the things I hate about the city of Chicago and also the Blackhawks type of rant. So if I could not have to do that again, that would be nice for me personally. That is my <laughs> wish. So just keep that in the back of your mind, Kings. That Thanks. is such a specific... <laughs> reference as to what you were like it's kind of unbelievable (laughs) i mean it's fantastic but i was just like yeah okay i i I have seen that movie i know what you're talking about would not have been the first thing that i jumped to 
<laughs> that's what it felt like. Just like as I quickly just jumped through everything, like why I hated deep dish pizza, why I hate, <laughs> why I hate wind chill, why I dislike the Chicago Blackhawks as a team, and how specifically that relates to somebody like Patrick Kane, and why I dislike Daniel Carcillo. And it was very specific, and it went through a lot of very, very detailed things. And then at the end, I just came, but what sort of made it exactly like that rant for me was by the end, I was just like, but most of all, I hate the Kings for every time they play the Chicago Blackhawks (laughs) and inexplicably lose for no fucking reason. So that's what it felt like. In the end, I was just mad at kind of myself and also (laughs) my home team. Um, can I also just say that, so, my mom and I ended up watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We watched 16 episodes in a day. Don't look at me. Um, but one of the characters looks a lot like Patrick Kane, and we were watching it while the Kings were playing the Blackhawks, so every time I saw his face, I just went, ugh. Um, so. So much judgment for this character. (laughs) So much. (laughs) Oh, man. So that's the notes we will leave you on. If you also have some epic rants to go out about on about any team, email those to us as well. Those things are fun. Um, until then, or until next week, I should say, take care of yourselves, everybody. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you in seven days. Goodbye, friends. Bye, all.